It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So under pressure from Ward-Prowse. Run away from him and Obafemi and Gineppo. It's a great run from the Argentine. And suddenly Tottenham have players over. It's Lamella. And now it's Son. Real chance here for Son. And he scored. Well, Southampton appealing to referee Peter Banks about something. But Son has found the back of the net. Superb work from the Celso. Look how deep he is here. Carries it away from three. And then gets his head up. Lamella knew he got support. But that, I think, is what Southampton are complaining about. Deli Alli's challenge on Danso, who's out of the game giving some time to deliberate and put it beyond gun. Celso does so, so well. Hello and welcome back to this week's last word on Spurs. January transfer window coming towards a close. Spurs having to settle for that replay in the FA Cup against Southampton, despite some really exquisitive Giovanni Lachelso magic. Delighted to have back alongside me on this show, Lee McQueen. Joining myself and Lee, we're pleased to have two debutants on the last word on Spurs in Richard Whitehead, MBE, double Paralympic 200 metre gold medalist, marathon record holder, and he ran 40 marathons in 40 days in 2013, and he's training towards the 2020 Paralympics in Tokyo. We're also pleased to hand out a debut to Jamie Weir, Sky Sports News reporter, presenter, and occasional Sky News reporter as well. Making my debut on Last Word and Spurs, having to follow Jason after his retirement show is like, I feel like Moy's having to follow Fergie or something. It's <laughs> tough boots to fill. Oh, no, we, we, he'll be listening in for sure. He will be. He'll be tucked in now, Jason, in his retirement package that we sent him off with. A really good retirement package, of course. He's got these shows on a weekly basis. What more could he want? Lee, let's start with you then, ahead of this re- review of the game against Southampton. Because to be fair, let's be honest, it was a particularly unwelcome replay for Spurs and Mourinho, which eats in now to our winter break following... Another, to be honest with you, unconvincing performance. The Chelsea, a bright spark, but many familiar problems in that game. Look, as late, it's been very difficult to be positive about certain things. But so I just wanted to pull a different uh, slant on on the review of the game. I mean, it, it was a difficult 
watch at times. Like I can't, you know, we can't paper over the cracks and say, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic because it wasn't. In in spurts, there was some really good stuff. One two touch football that that was really good. But in the main, it was it was back to the slow and lethargic and kind of low energy type game again. You know that we have this this constant way or and I was going to say under Marino but that's actually false and, and I'll talk about that later on but you know for, for, for a year now a whole 12 months we've been really struggling with that kind of low ebb and flow that energy that you know that almost it's almost like don't worry lads it will come you know what I mean like on the pitch don't worry 110% because it'll come don't worry and it, it just feels like there's been something missing um but you know the, the the performance in itself. You know we uh, we actually didn't start too badly at all. I didn't think. I, I thought that we, we we played pretty well the first half. Um, if with a little bit of extra energy, we could have we could have been um, uh, further in front uh, as as it was. It, we went in a break nil nil, um, and then when we when we come out again, just sloppiness. Which how many times have we said that, Rick, on this pod and and, and lads as well? Many. Like you'll say, how many, many times? Like, it's just this constant, the same drum being bashed which is silly mistakes cost us games and uh, we talk and it's brilliant to have uh, the lads on and, and Richard you talked earlier about you know elite sport you know and we know that you know being an elite athlete and being an elite sport it is fine margins but there's so yeah, many definitely. fine margins in Tottenham's world at the moment it's, it is increasingly mm. frustrating it is indeed. It is yeah. indeed. And Rich, just to bring you in there, you know, Spurs managed to snatch a replay from the jaws of victory towards the end because we stepped down Classic, the gears in the second half after Son's goal and Southampton gratefully accepted the gift. We invited all sorts of pressure on us. And, you know, that led through Son. And I don't think we can have any complaints that it's gone to a replay. And that replay now will take place no, no. on February the 5th, which both sides were due to be on a, yeah. a winter break. What did you make, Rich, of that overall game? A very tough watch. I think... Um... It just sums up the the position that Spurs are in at the moment. They've not got somebody that's able to hold up the ball and take the pressure off the the back four, and and also we've we've gone away from that moving the ball um, forward quickly, and and those triangles have gone. You know that one touch triangle triangle yeah. passing that we had last year. I, I, when I knew I was coming on the show, I had a little bit of look uh, look, look back at some of the the results in like. Uh, 2020 2019 and, and you look as far back as the best game we played was probably Burnley when we won 5-0 and everything since then has been very sloppy we've given away late goals um, you look at possession wise we've not really used the possession very well uh, given away silly penalties everything I think a lot of the, the players have took their eye off the ball and they're in transition between the Pochettino way, way of playing to now into Mourinho's kind of style. And 100%, philosophy. I agree. And I think, that's, I think what, what's happened is there's players that are, are playing in the, in the first 11 that haven't got an idea what, what Mourinho's trying to, how he's trying to direct them to play. And um, the, the full-backs don't seem to be connecting with the... Uh, the the, um, the midfield at all and the delivery has been so poor like you look at the the aerial chances that we've had for the likes of Kane when he was actually playing was limited like I, th- I think headed goals this year we scored is it four it's like it's really poor and I think that's one of the one of the issues is that we're not we're not playing as a team the messaging isn't getting through to the players and the philosophy of Mourinho is going to take time to um, to digest into the player, the player's way of playing, and um, 
it's it's that bad that uh, one of the best players is Aurier. And I was like, when I saw him, when I first saw him last year, I was like going, this guy has got a penalty in him all the time. Every time he, he slides and slides tackle, he's going to give away a penalty, he can work foul. But he's actually been one of the, the bright sparks this year. He's actually been, he's had lots of energy, but he's still got a mistake in him. And um, I've been, like this year, it's to watching Spurs, and especially that Southampton game, I was like going, this is, this is our season. 15 minutes of good football, take your foot off the, 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 uh, the pedal. The Celso played well. He's obviously travels really well with the ball. I think when Ericsson goes, he'll have more licence around the team. But we need, desperately need numbers, quality, not, not just people that we've never heard of that you have to YouTube. People that have actually got quality, got presence, going to add something, add value to the team. So then when we go on the field of play, We've got people that we can rely on to pull the team through to to, to a win, not just a, a lazy draw like it was against Southampton. Now on the head there, Rich, in terms of at the moment we seem a, a group of players that are talented individuals, but at the moment are not playing as a team. And to be fair, I've said yeah, it off yeah. air that for the moment with Mourinho, I can definitely see an improvement in our defence as a structure, but as a unit, we aren't playing as a team, and I think that's yeah. going to take time. In you know, he has got that extra week now coming up on the training ground, where hopefully he's going to get a chance to work with the players. Jay Spurs could have been, and I'm not exaggerating here, they could have been three to up at half time should they have had a proper striker, I think, available yeah. to them. And I think this will continue to you know really, really embarrass Tottenham. I, I, you know, I think you know we're going to still get poor results until this is addressed. Now we've only got four or five days of the window yeah. to go. How critical is it for you, Joe, that Spurs do need to bring in a second striker? And do you think if they had that striker in now, we would have put Southampton to the sword in that game? We sound like a broken record saying this all the time, but 100%. This is a problem that should never have existed. What sort of club with aspirations of being one of the biggest clubs in Europe only has one senior striker in their squad in the first place? It's not that long ago we had a squad which had Dimitar Berbatov, Robbie Keane, Darren Bent, Jermaine Foe, you know, four proven Premier League goal scorers. Now, I think... Football has changed since then, and we've evolved the way we play since then. And you don't need four frontline strikers, but two would be nice, you know, so that when one does get injured, as he invariably seems to at this time of the year, there's somebody to fill his boots. I'm pretty sure that Daniel Levy will get a deal over the line for a striker in this next week. It might be at 10.55pm on Friday, which is a real frustration because you think, why wasn't it just done on the 1st of January? This is a problem we all that's know. Five, that's five minutes early, isn't it, Jamie? That'd be, that'd yeah, be five minutes exactly. early. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time, plenty of time. Um, will will, will Mourinho be happy with that, Jay? Do you think Mourinho will be happy with that, Jay? The fact that it's taken, you know, we're 26th of January. Do you think he's happy to stretch it out to the 31st with all these games that we could have won had we had that strike available well, to us on the 1st of January? All those games where... You know, having a, a target man, a focal point, would have made such a difference. Um, I, I have to say, just to go back to the Southampton game, I kind of disagree with the two boys. I think there are improvements every week that I'm seeing in the squad. I think, yeah, you know, it was disjointed at the times and there were frustrations. And yes, you know, if Sonny is a bit more clinical in the first half and Lucas Moore had a great chance as well, we should be going in 2 or 3 nil up at half time. But every single week, I'm seeing little green shoots of recovery. And... Um, I will say, you know, I'm I'm a very rare dying breed, probably, which is a glass half full Spurs fan. And, you know, I've had to mute a couple of Spurs WhatsApp groups I'm on recently because just the negativity, <laughs> the doom and gloom is just driving me insane. You know, 
look, it's the day and age we're in, this social media generation. It's, it's extremes, isn't it? It's either the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. And the truth is always somewhere in the middle. And that's where we are at the moment. Look, yes, this season has been a disappointment. There's no doubt about that. But there are enough positives there going forward that I'm feeling optimistic about where this side is headed. I think we're a few players away. We're not going to get them all in this week at all. But if we could just get one striker over the line in the next five days, then we're in a much better place. I'm definitely a glass or a half full Spurs fan as well, to be fair. And and, and just just having a look through uh, some of the stats, you know, Jose trying to get a balance. You can understand, yes, it's still slow, it's still direct, but you can understand why he's doing that. Just in the Premier League in the last um, calendar year, so we played uh, 38, well, in our 38 games, right, since we beat um, Cardiff 3-0, which was the last time before the Watford game we kept a clean sheet in the Premier League. We've actually conceded 31 goals during that, that calendar year. So this was happening way before Jose, okay? This was, you know, we, we've got this kind of uh, affection and love for Poch. You know, I'm one of his biggest fans, right? But this was happening way before, you know, we're going to Burnley and losing 2-1. Uh, you know, we're, we're struggling to get over line against Fulham. We're clearly going to get relegated when Wink scores a, you know, a 93rd minute header. You know, we're struggling to break down a Brighton side and then Ericsson pops up in the 92nd minutes and scores and we win 1-0 at home. You know, this was happening way before Jose's tenure. Um, so, so when you look at it and you look at 31 goals conceded during that period of time, we, that would have amassed between the back end of last season and what we've played this season in that 38 games would have amassed 53 points, which over the period of, you know, the last four or five years would have given us a, a ninth, eighth or ninth place finish, which is kind of where we are. You know, we've... We've we lost sixteen games during that period of time. So, so you can totally understand on the positive where Jose is coming from. He's coming to the club, and for the first, Rick, you have to correct me in terms of stats here. But for the first at least six six or seven matches, he was still conceding loads of goals, but we were scoring goals, right? So we're outscoring teams, and we, we was all saying, oh, "Where's this bus, Jose?" Because we was all expecting him to come apart the bus, and he didn't. But there's, there comes a point where we has to change and start to get solid as a unit, and that them shoots that we talked. About about yet we have seen them and so I do think that that is a that is a positive but at the moment he's putting out fires now he would have been you know we're talking about strikers he would have been thinking right result I've got the best number nine in the world and then he and then he really tears his hamstring like do you know what I mean it's like now he's out mm-hmm. for the rest of the season and he's putting fires out so so for me I still think we're fighting on three well I still think we are we are fighting on three fronts one to get into the top four still unbelievably but we're still in it we're still in the FA Cup, albeit we have to play a replay. And we're, and we're still in the Champions League, albeit we have to play RB Leipzig, who are flying at the top of the Bundesliga. But we're still fighting around there. And, and, and I think for me, the biggest thing here is where we're going. And, and when Jose was appointed, we talked about the kind of, you know, long-term. Under Pochettino, it was always a long-term plan. He came in, it was a five-year plan, it was a philosophy. His, the, the ethos and the philosophies of, of his football, coupled with where the club is going in terms of the stadium build, the training ground build, all of that. Now, all of that's done. It feels like now that we're in kind of no person's land because we're kind of like, well, you know, what, what is the philosophy of the football? You know, what are we aiming towards? And it doesn't matter. And again, Richard, I don't, I don't know if you agree with me as well in terms of, you know, elite sport, but it doesn't matter if you're an elite sport, if you're an athlete, if you're in football, if you're a business person, if you're working for, you know, in media, you know, you need to know where you're going in order to be motivated. Yeah, to of course. Because if you don't know where you're going, how can you be motivated? And that's what it feels like the players are like. They're kind of sometimes mm-hmm. they're looking around and they're going, what, 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 what are we doing here? Where are we going here? Yeah. What it is, it's a philosophy needs to be bought into by not just the players, but everybody around them as well. So 
if their if their agent or managers then pulling them in a different direction regarding a possible transfer, then the minds just then come off the game itself. The, my problem is, again, like my situation, I'm, I'm a, a performance athlete. Uh, that's my profession. And I'm expected to do best at every training session, every competition that I go to. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing I'm seeing certain players that are overworked in this in the side. And that, that's one of the reasons why I think Kane was injured. He was overworked within the team. And now Sonny and uh, Lucas Moore are starting to go that way. You can tell last 10 minutes of the games, they are fried. And then other players, they're just winging, winging the games. They're not, they're not putting in the, the, the work rate. The concentration is poor. Very, very lax with some of the decision-making. You look at the amount of goals that we're conceding from mistakes. That's the issue, is that we're not... We're not solid enough. I, I, I understand that it looks like the, the back four is more organised, but I, I'm not actually too sure about that. I think I think that the, the two centre-backs, we're starting to lose a little bit of pace there. I think uh, we need to get we need to get reinforcements there because Vertonghen, Art of Aireld, eventually are going to gonna have to be re- replaced. And um, we need to have those stalwarts in the team that are going to be what we can play off. And not just go out there and buy some some fast player that's actually not not going to get straight in the team. We need to have uh, players that go in the team that then have that have that impact. And if we're getting rid of Ericsson, we need to have somebody that's going to replace him. And and um, at the moment, I've got you look at the table like fifth. So the uh, Man United they're they're on the same points as us, but then there's four points between us and Newcastle in 14th. And that's and that's where we're at at the moment. We have we have actually had a terrible season, and I understand it's rebuilding, but I'm not seeing those solid pillars in the team that are going to support us moving forwards. I think there's I think there's more than two or three players that we need. I think we need to move on some of those players that have that have got too comfortable in the team. And if Jose does that, I'll be right behind him. But at the moment, I think it's it just seems very disjointed. Where did you say this other night, Ricky, on Thursday night? You know. Oh, you know, Liverpool just so far clear, just goes to show how bad this Premier League is. The fact we're still in touch with the top four just goes to show how bad the rest of the league is. I would flip that and say that actually from 2nd to 20th in the Premier League, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. I mean, literally, Norwich are 20th and they beat 2nd place Manchester City earlier this season. Liverpool are, are freaks. They're a phenomenon. I just, they just find it's ways fair to point. It's a great point. But everybody has the potential to beat each other. And... I just think the margins are so much smaller than they used to be. There used to be a time when you would be playing, you know, a newly promoted team and you'd be pretty confident that you'd just blow them away, beat them four or five nil. doesn't happen anymore. That's just the way the game changed. Four or five years ago, we were the fittest team in the league. Pochettino prided his t- ourselves on our fitness. We were playing this fast pressing game. Every team's doing it now. And teams, these so-called big six teams are just finding it harder to break down. These teams who come to come to these games extremely well organised with a game plan of what they want to do. They'll have their analysts during the week analysing their opposition to death. And teams are now so well set up that you're not going to, with the exception of Liverpool and occasionally Manchester City, you're not going to blow sides away anymore. It's just the way the game's changed. On our style of play at the moment, do you think no target man means at the moment we can't hold up play or respite for the midfield or defence? Because at the moment we look so tired and so sloppy in possession, especially that second half. And it's so particularly frustrating that for us, when I look at that game against Southampton, 
The only real mistake we made was the one that we got punished yeah. for. Other than that, I think we looked okay. Lechosa was a star man, but I do want to bring in some listener yeah. questions here. This one, Jay, is from Michael Bennett at Benno the Yid, who says, should we be more prepared to sacrifice performances for results, blowing yeah. teams away? But it just feels that we won't do that under Jose Mourinho. Scrapping 1-0, 2-1 wins is all well and good. But you'll end up suffering with palpitations watching Spurs at the moment. If Sonny and Lucas had taken those chances in the first half yesterday, we're going to 2-0 at half time. The game could be very, very different. It just feels as if we're not getting... I know this sounds like a classic excuse, but we're just not getting the bounce of the ball at the moment. We're not getting that rub of the green. That'll turn around. I honestly think that getting Lo Celso and Ndombele together in that midfield is going to make such a difference. That, those are the two yeah, players to build yeah. this up next day. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Jose Mourinho, I, a lot of people sort of roll their eyes and scoff when I say that how important Ben Davis is to the way Jose Mourinho wants to play. But I think he's Absolutely hugely massive. important. He, he's talked Agreed, about 100%. defending as a four, attacking as a three, and allowing Aurier or Tanganga or whoever it might be to bomb on as a right back and Ben Davis to tuck in on the side of the defence when we're attacking. Honestly, I think that is, you're going to see a different Spurs when Davis is back, when we've got Tanganga more settled into the team, when La Celso and Ndombele start to form a bond, which I'm hoping they will. Yes, you know, we still need a striker. That doesn't solve the striker problem. Um, although the only thing I would say about the striker situation is when you look at Liverpool, Salah, Firmino and Mane, None of them are a target man. They're essentially three false nines who sort of one will drop out wide and then one will go through the middle and the other will drop out to the right and the other one will come. You know, so I, For sure. you kind of, I'm, I'm sure this is something that Jose Mourinho will be working on. This yeah. target man, no one, no one on the planet ever described Kane as a target man before Jose came to the club. Five yeah. years of Mucho Pochino, not once on social media, on any of these shows, any of my mates have ever said Kane's a target man. Yeah, classic number nine, whatever, so you can interpret it. But yeah. they've never used them words. The only time that we've used them words, and we've all used them, so I'm not having a pop at any of you guys, it's since Jose's come in, and he's been banging on about a target man, and it feels like, because he's calling him a target man, it feels like, right, let's just go long to the target man. But look, you, you've just made yeah. a perfect point. Look at Liverpool. They've got three interchangeable. They come left, they come right, they come deep, they go forward. You know, they have runners, and that's the, the only the only, the only only striker Liverpool have is Divock Origi, and he comes off the bench. I'm sure if he if, if there was time, and there, the games comes, have been coming so thick and fast ever since Jose came into the job, but a full week now before my Manchester City, where maybe you could see Son and Lucas and Delhi ha have that sort of same free-flowing, interchanging one goes through. You know, I actually thought against Norwich last Tuesday night, Delhi showed a lot of strikers' instincts to get on both of the, to set up both of those goals. That was that was strikers' instinct that got him into those positions. And the thing, the thing is, Jay, on with Delhi. I mean, personally, in the situation that we're in now, I'd have him up top. And I know, you know, some mm. people, that's a personal preference. But the, re the, reason, the reason why, he, because he's a brilliant finisher, he can sniff out where... I mean, that goal we scored the other day was fantastic. Target man or non-target man. The guy's six foot plus. You know, he, he heads the ball really well. He can bring runners in, in in behind him as well. So, you know, needs must. And all that. So, what did you say, Rick, last week? Beggars can't be choosers. But the point being is that if, we, if we've got a new striker coming in this window, which I, I agree with you, Joe, I think we will get somebody in, but that somebody is, you know, forget Bale. That ain't happening. Like we're never going to get a Gareth Bale back to this club in this in in the next five days. And I hope by by God, I hope I'm wrong. I do agree with you that I don't think Bale is going to happen. And people are saying, oh well, you know, I mean, Jonathan Barnett, Bale's agent, said it himself last week that you know it's not going to happen. It's ridiculous to even talk about him. A lone move away from Real Madrid. 
And a lot of people are saying, oh, just because it's too much money, you can't afford to pay Bale's wages. But when you actually think about it, what, Bale, what does he want, 400 grand a week? Now, if you have him for 400 grand a week for 12 weeks, that's, you know, 5 million quid. If he manages to be the difference between us getting Champions League football for next season or not, then that's £5 million pounds very well spent. No? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We saw three changes for Spurs ahead of that game against Southampton. We saw Jaffet Tanganga and Davison Sanchez back into defence and a first start for Tottenham's new signing of the January window in Jetson Fernandez. Harry Winks played despite limping off with a painful ankle injury against Norwich. When you saw the team, Rich, was that roughly what you was expecting ahead of the FA Cup tie? You've got to show intent, haven't you? Obviously, Mourinho's come out and said it's really important, uh, the FA Cup, obviously, for the club, uh, the club's history, obviously, trying to win that that uh, elusive trophy. Um, obviously, a very strong side. Um, Winks as well, coming back in, was it worth the risk? Uh, we'll see later later on down the, down the line. Um, I, I I think when he, he's trying to he's trying to show a certain style of play with the players that he puts in place, and um, I, I think he, he trusts certain players now. You can tell, obviously, when um, when he picks certain people for certain positions, he knows that they're, they're, they've got roles and responsibilities within that within those positions, and that's why I think that team was picked. Um, would I've changed it? Would I've rested some of the players? Um, Maybe with obviously look at the fixtures that are coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we know we've got a little bit of a little bit of a break, or we did have, but, um, but we've got like Man City, obviously Southampton, Villa, Leipzig, and Chelsea. Um, so we've got some big games coming up. I think I think the workload we need to look at the workload because some of the guys are going through some uh, uh, some miles on the pitch. Um, what you made about that Tanganga though, Rich? I mean, he's, he's had a lot of games so far. He's only missed one, I think, of the last four or five. What have you made of his displays? Strong, strong I... moving forwards, uh, very positive. Um, um, he's added obviously value to the the back four, um, and I think obviously he, he runs with the ball. Um, it's, it's, it's just just making sure that obviously he's got that um, experience now, and I think using those games for that. Um, obviously, Jose sees him as a future in that position, and whether it is as, as a centre back or on the right, I think that's that's to be seen, isn't it? I think um, he's obviously very strong, uh, holds the ball up well, uh, very direct. I've not seen him um, delivery uh, that much uh, so far. We'd like to see um, him whip some more balls in, but. Um, uh, yeah, but very positive. It just shows the academy is working really well. Um, I've been to the academy myself a couple of times, and it's a, it's a fantastic facility. Um, and to have people like him coming out of that academy shows that the investment's uh, uh, working. The emergence of Jaffa Tanganga has been, you know, solved a lot of headaches for Daniel Levy and for Jose Mourinho, and been the bright spark of of this month so far. And uh, you know, Richard, you sort of mentioned the academy there and John McDermott the head of the academy he's doing a fantastic job and one of his real philosophies which you probably know is is to have the, this versatility in the players he's bringing through which is why you saw Jeff at Tangang his first three games for the club he played centre-back right-back and left-back and to give Jose Mourinho those different options is just massive I do still yeah. think in the long term this summer we need to think about bringing in some fresh fullbacks. But it's now, I think the fact that Tanganga's come on the scene in these last few weeks means that it's not as pressing this month as I would have said it was 
three or four weeks ago. Yes, it was going to be great to see a Max Ahrens come in in the summer. And Java Tanganga, like I said earlier, you know, Mourinho's uh, defenders are four, attackers are three. Tanganga allows you to do that as well. And I would actually say, just to sort of add on to that point, that we spoke at the very start about, oh, you know, it's a replay, it's another match to play, oh, it eats into the winter break. I would actually say for the likes of Tanganga, Sessignon, Lo Celso and Dombele, and even, maybe even throw Hugo Lloris into that mix as well, because he's just coming back from injury. For those players, I think an extra game is almost a good thing. It gets them more settled into the side. You know, Lo Celso is at a t- time now, such an exciting time where we're discovering his true potential. He just wants to be playing all the time. So I think actually having an extra thing isn't an awful thing. Yeah, I agree with Richard. For a lot of players, there is an unnecessary tool being put in them. The likes of Deli Ali and Son are just having to play, you know, every three days. So it's not ideal for those. But I think for a lot of the players in the squad, it's not a bad thing having an extra game. And there's still a whole 11 days off between that FA Cup replay and the Aston Villa match. Now you just want to put on Tanganga because, to be fair, in that first half, he rescued Spurs with a clearance off the line with some kamikaze gulping, you have to say from Hugo Lloris, who charged out to wings but got nowhere near it. I think, like the lad said, uh, I think he's been uh, he's been fantastic. I think, you know, we, we all love one of our own, um, and, and that, of course, he is. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's virtually put a, you know, hardly put a foot wrong. And actually, when you think about it, you know, I'd have him down as uh, either a right-sided centre-back uh, moving forward or as a right-back, because I'd like to get Ori out of the team. But he's been playing left back. He played left back. He played right back and left back against Liverpool, didn't he? And then he played left back the other night as well yeah. against Southampton did, yeah. uh, the other day, yesterday. Sorry. So you know, actually, he's playing on the left side in a completely unfamiliar um, f- uh, position and still doing things like that. That you know, the position, his energy, is is positioning to get back and help his goalkeeper out to get that off the line was. You know, some might say, "Well, that's his job," but equally, he's doing his job really well. And you know, he reads the game we so want. well for a, tw- for for a twenty-year-old sure. to read the game the way he does, and he seems so composed. You know, thrown into your very first start in front of sixty thousand fans at White Hart Lane against the best team in the world. Let's face it. Oh, here you go. Your first match is up against Roberto Firmino, Mo Salah, and Sadio Mane, and he just took to it like a duck to water. Yeah, I mean, and, and actually in the Middlesbrough game when he was um, rewarding down the right-hand side, wasn't he, in the 93rd minute? And you could see you could see him being like, the, you know, Jose's new Ivanovic. You remember, you know, Ivanovic was a centre-back and he was converted to a right-back all them years ago under Jose back in the day. And you could see, you know, he likes big, powerful... You look at a Wan-Bissaka, who's 19, went for 50 million in the summer, didn't he, to, to, uh, to Manchester United. And he's not he's not more of a, an attacking right-back, he's more of a defending right-back. Um, and uh, obviously one of our own, Jace, has loved, loved Wan-Bissaka. You know, we should have tried to sign him before. But, you know, Tanganga could, could definitely look at that right-back berth and make it his own because, you know, although there's been, you know, some real good improvement from Sergio as, as we spoke about previously, he's still got a ricket in him and, and he's still, and he, and he proved that again yesterday with, it's, it's such a difficult one with, with, with that as well. I'm sure you come on to him, Mick, but you know, we, we, we bemoan us going long and we bemoan us like kicking the ball out and just hoofing it. But then when we try to play it out, we get caught in position and, you know, and, and then we can see the goal. So it's so, fr- and that's what's frustrating at the moment about being a Spurs fan. It is indeed, Lee. If we could just solve the fullbacks and, you know, try and get a striker solved as well. God, but we to be fair, Rick, you said this, you said this months ago. You said that fullbacks was going to be an issue. Let's just talk about fullbacks, seeing as you brought them up again. Like, you know, at the end of the day, the fullbacks we had, 
Cole Walker and Danny Rose in their prime. Okay, everybody knows what they were doing. They were brilliant. Cole Walker was my favourite player, by the way. Just just putting it out there, I loved him. And it was, it was in both. And Cole Walker always, you know, would have a ricket in him in, in, from a defensive perspective. Yeah, he, would, yeah, going yeah. Up, he did, but going up and down the left and the right, respectively, them two lads, absolutely fantastic. Cole Walker leaves fifty million quid to go to Man City. Danny Rose starts to uh, to start piping up, saying, "Hang on a minute, I, I, I'm worth it. I might go Man United. What, what am I not worth?" And he's never been the same player since. Then we get in a Ben Davies and a um, Trippier to kind of um, you know as backups. Then they come to the fore, and then they step up as first team players. And, you know, and, and Ben's never really got the credit that he deserves. He's a, he's a very, very 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 good player, very good player, very professional. Gets in, and I, I remember actually looking at some stats. As you know, I love my stats, my little blue book. And and actually, Ben because of Danny's injuries and whatever, Ben Davies sort of stood took over him in terms of assists and games played and chances created and all that sort of stuff. Although he's got the perception that he never goes forward. He's a perfect Jose Mourinho player, as Jamie said earlier. And then you look at Trippier and then, you know, he's, he scored that wonderful goal in the semi-final of the World Cup. You know, we got into the England side for the back of brilliant performances at Spurs. Scored that goal, absolutely amazing. Come back Spurs and Saint weren't right. Then he yeah. leaves and then he tells everybody, he tells the media, saying, not right behind the scenes here at Tottenham. And we're all like, oh yeah, whatever. You don't know what you're talking uh, about. Ah, you're bitter. But, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. But but that wasn't the case, was it? Because there is something. You, you, our form cannot fall off a cliff like it has done. I mean, it's absolutely mad. And you, the the Champions League, how, you know, I was I was blubbing like anyone else when I was in Amsterdam, um, you know, uh, versus the Ajax game, you know, and that would be forever in my memories in, in Madrid in the final, whatever. But, but think about that that run, the run that we went on the Champions League, which just, it wasn't even really masking the problems that were there because we still had major problems and we were still conceding goals to Ajax. We, we were 2-0 down away to Ajax within the first 20 minutes. You know, we were, we conceded goals within the first two, three minutes when we played Man City. You know, we gave a penalty away in the Man City quarterfinal at home, and it was you know it was a great save. But these you know again, never fine margins. Let's face it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah for sure. But you no, know, the point being is that these were. It wasn't as if we'd been blowing teams away. The, the only result I can remember, you know, it, we were we were what four minutes or three minutes away from being knocked out. Stupid mistakes. Kyle Walker Peters gets caught. Up against Barcelona, and we go one nil down within the first five minutes, yeah. and then we have to claw back via Lucas Moore. It was happening all of around, but but no, and this is where the problem becomes: where where the, where where are we going? What is the board's philosophy here, or where is our plan now? Because we've gotten into Jose Munez, a serial winner. Uh, happy birthday, by the way, Jose. And yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, <laughs> you, you tweeted earlier, Rick, about um, you know all the trophies he's won, twenty six trophies. It's ridiculous. Jose, Jose Mourinho amazing. and Bill Nick born on the same day. That's craziness. Yeah, yeah. happy birthday to Bill Nick as well. Of course. Hopefully, but, hopefully, but, hopefully, it's a good sign. Fingers crossed. Yeah, but yeah. I suppose <laughs> just just finishing just finishing off on that point. The point being is that if we don't know, like I said earlier, if we don't know where we're going. We, we can't get there. You know, at the end of the day, we need to have milestones. We need to have stakes in the ground to say, right, this is where we're going. This is what we're going after. And then let's move forward. You know, when 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 Liverpool got smashed by Tottenham at Wembley 4-1, that was their kind of sliding door yeah. moment, if I can use that term. And then they went out and Klopp went, right, I need to rebuild. And, and they did. If you remember beforehand, they were scoring lots of goals, but shipping goals. And they, they were they were losing to the you know the bottom three teams and whatever because of silly goals. And 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 I think that defeat really hurt them. And, and that's where they went. Where is the sliding doors moment? This is what gives me a little bit of optimism, though, because I think yeah, yeah. you know 
you know, we had, I think the, the second half of that season, we nearly chased Chelsea down for the title, was the best I've ever seen Tottenham play. Every single week, it looked like we were just going to destroy sides. It was a matter of not whether we'd win, but how many we'd win by. And that side, we're all allowed to get old together. And I actually still think Toby Alderweireld has something to give the side. I unfortunately think Jan Vertonghen is past his best. Danny Rose, we've spoken about him plenty in the podcast. We don't need to speak about him again. Christian Eriksen obviously has looked disinterested for the last six months. But what gives me the optimism is Lo Celso, Ndombele, Deli Ali, Harry Winks, Ryan Sessegnon, Davinson Sanchez, maybe Steven Bergvine if this one gets over the line. All players, Tanganga. Tanganga, all players 23 or younger that can form the spine of the side for the next six, seven, eight years. Oh, and by the way, we've also got Harry Kane, who's 26 years old, and around for a while do, as well. Do, so, guys, guys, do you also think that um, going back to having that solid home form is uh, is something that we need to look at we as well? Because, well, yeah, I, I think you're right there, Rich. I mean, you look at Mourinho's record in previous clubs, especially Chelsea. The home form was always the kind of you know the foundation to him getting yeah. long-term results at clubs, and I think Spurs, we have to try and make that place an absolute fortress. But we are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to get into the Chelsea and just how much he ran that game for Spurs against Southampton. We're going to talk about Sonny's goal, his form as well, January transfer window, a little bit on Steven Bergeron. We're going to go too crazy in case this transfer somehow doesn't happen, despite there, at the moment, being a lot of links that he should be a Spurs player. Remember, it's Tottenham. Anything can happen. We're going to go for a very quick break. Take you into that break. It's Anna from Spurs XY. Don't go anywhere because we are back after this very short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women's segment here on the last Word on Spurs. Apologies for no segment last week. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go nor watch the game. We were away at Manchester United and unfortunately we lost 3-0. So there's that. But today we were in the FA Cup. We were playing at home to Barnsley Women which means that we were quite um, positive going into the game. I was expecting a win and a win we got. A nice 5-0 victory, a nice clean sheet there as well. A couple goals to celebrate. It was very, very enjoyable. Uh, honestly, I just wanted us to go and trouble the keeper because she looked a bit dodgy with the early chances. And that's exactly how we scored our first goal. A, re- um, a lovely kick at Graham's shot was pushed out, but not wide enough. And Rihanna Dean followed up and she got us the lead. Then a free kick from Siri Worm made it 2-0. It was a beautiful strike. And then Rihanna Dean converted a penalty that was awarded to us and he made it 3-0 for the first half. Thankfully, we didn't take our foot off the gas and we continued with the lovely form. Gemma Davison making it 4-0 with a lovely uh, low strike, uh, basically on the goal. It was quite far out. I was quite surprised I went all the way to the back of the net. It was a lovely strike. Take it 4-0. And then uh, Sulolo, who is our academy player, this was her first senior goal. She came on within like two minutes of scoring. Uh, she scored within two minutes of coming on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so she she scored within two minutes of coming on and she just re- was really impressive throughout her little cameo as well. She was strong. She held up the ball well. She wasn't shying away from tackles and stuff. And obviously she scored as well. So very excited to see more of her. But yeah, it was a pretty straightforward game. Uh, Barnsley had a couple chances, but nothing that really um, threatened Chloe Morgan's goal. And we just looked nice and comfortable, really. So very happy with that performance. Next week, we take on Bristol uh, at the Hive. 
which is at two o'clock, even though the men are then playing at 4.30 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So won't be able to go to that either because I'm going to the men's game. So um, yeah, it's sad when there's like mini clashes like that. But hey, that's life. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this segment and hope you enjoyed the rest of the show. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Rich, want to talk to you about Hummin yes, Son. It's been a bit of a, a weird, you know, weird period with Son because since he's come back from suspension, he hasn't looked anywhere near the kind of form that we know Son is capable of, but he did put Spurs ahead. What are you making yeah. at the moment of Son's form in general? Do you feel for him because he's still trying to get a regular run of games under Mourinho? He's obviously had the disruption of a suspension. Or do you know the quality is always going to be there with Son? Like we saw yeah, with his goal that he's he, got the weekend. He's got, yeah, he's obviously got the quality. I think he's snatching a couple of the... The, the opportunities that he's getting and, and just trying to force it a little bit. Obviously, we all know that um, he's got the ability to finish. Um, but he's just been... I don't know what it is um, with him at the moment. It just looks like his, his work rate's fantastic, always has been fantastic. Uh, and he's got that real great connection with the fans. I was lucky enough, like some of you boys, to be in, uh, in Madrid and to see the kind of... the passion that he's got for, for Spurs now and the real connection he's got for the Spurs fans, and I'm, I'm seeing that he's, he's wanting to get back into that kind of form. I think, obviously, because of the position that he's playing when um, Kane's not in the team, and is he is he feeling uh, more pressure because uh, more of the responsibility is on his shoulders? I'm not sure. Um, obviously, when you see the interviews after the games, especially more recent ones, you can tell that he's shouldering a little bit of that pressure. Uh, and it, it looks like he's doing as much as he can. And sometimes um, it is like it's, it's a run of the green, isn't it? It's just getting that, that opportunity, that lucky bounce, uh, that kind of starts starts that uh, that moment, that confidence momentum. And um, I'm I'm optimistic that he can get back into that kind of current form, the form that he had last year. Um, and also, and also the the connection that he has with with some of the players. I think it's it's kind of he's. He's had opportunities to to square the ball, and he's, he's kind of snatched at the shot, uh, and it's gone over or wide. And um, yeah, he he looks like a, a player that uh, could run out of gas like uh, Kane and get injured. That's my only worry with the likes of him, Moore, and Ali at the moment. The, the, their workloads are so high that um, we might we might be talking in in a month's time and have two or three more injuries because of, of the workload. That's why we need numbers. You know what's interesting, Jamie, with Son? We rightly praise him when he's in form and when he's unstoppable, when he yeah. scores for fun. But a lot less he's made, I think, of when he's on a, a regular run of matches and he's either guilty yeah. of trying too hard or it could be argued that he's a bit selfish with the ball. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot in that. And I agree with Richard that he's maybe just trying to force it at the moment, trying too hard, snatching at chances. We saw that against Liverpool. We saw that in the first half yesterday as well. And look, we cannot... He is a world-class player, Hyun Ming Son, when he's at his very best. The goal at Wembley against Chelsea last season, the goal against Burnley only a few weeks ago. I love him to bits. He bleeds Tottenham. He loves the club. He, the players love him. I think he's a hugely popular member of the dressing room. But he's just in a bit of a funk at the moment, and he'll get out of it. But we've just got to be patient with him whilst he's in it. I also think he's got a real... His relation with Harry Kane is hugely important, I think. He, Harry Kane brings the best out of Sonny as well. And I think maybe he's having to burden the responsibility of being, you know, the main go-to man, the main goal scorer whilst Harry's injured. Although I will say, you know, 12 months ago when Harry was out and Sonny was was the main man, was best stuff then, that sort of stretch of games. 
but he's just in a little bit of bad form at the moment, and we've seen it with plenty of players over the course of the season. Deli Ali wasn't in the best of form at the start of the season, then hit a little purple patch just when Mourinho came in. Now he seems to be struggling a wee bit again, but he'll come out the other side of it. My, my nutritionist, um, Sophie Killer, actually used to be the nutritionist at, um, at Spurs, and she says Sonny is the nicest guy, but he's wanting success with the team. And I think sometimes when you want it that yeah. bad, it just it affects your performance. It just needs to happen organically. And he's got the technical ability. He's, he's able to finish. He just needs those, those opportunities and that confidence in front of goal. Yeah. So when those, those opportunities come, it'll take them. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say in, in Sonny, you see, Sonny's just like a fan. He sort of feels <laughs> the lows that we do as well and takes things to heart. You know, Pochettino's dismissal will have hurt him. And, and you're right, when you, when you are a player that plays an emotion like that, then when the whole team's in a bit of a funk, then it, it maybe sure. that, that's it, you know, that comes out in your own performances as well. Mm. Lee, just to bring you in on Son, you know, it, for the third goal running, it was all about the Chelsea. But I mean, in relation to Son, it took the goal, did put it away really, really well. And to be fair, I think you've got to say that goal did come against the run of play. Really expertly finished over Son. You'd agree with that one, Lee? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, uh, like, like the lads have just said, you know, he has been, he has snatched a couple of shots uh, previous to that, just in that game as well. I think he had another one or two opportunities um, against Norwich. He had a very, very good opportunity against Liverpool, which, you know, the son of last season that Jamie just alluded to, he 100% would have buried that. You, you think of the two goals that Son scored away at Man City in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. They were outstanding, you know, on you know, brilliant, brilliant finishes, yeah, confidence. And I just I just wrote that down on my on my pad and just ringed it a few times because we hear it all the time and it's brilliant having Rich on as well because you know you're an elite level athlete. It, 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 how big is confidence, you know? To, you know, to push yourself yeah, an extra one or two percent. How big is confidence, Rich? Yeah, no, it makes massive, massive difference. Like when I go onto the start line and I know that I'm in great shape and I know that I can run a certain time. It just happens naturally, and it's the same as finishing. That obviously those guys, when they know they're in great touch and they know that their that uh, their confidence is high um, through obviously the performances, um, that they can they can do anything. They can um, mm. whether it's whether it's Liverpool or whether it's uh, Aston Villa, they're able to perform at that high level, and that showed obviously in the Champions League. You saw the momentum through the game. Yeah. Even that when we were behind, they actually believed with self-belief from the management team all the way through the team that we could win. And I think with, with some of the players, like I say, there is quite a lot of pressure on certain players' heads and that's kind of just affecting their confidence a little bit. But like, like you alluded to before, because we've got this one of games now, maybe that's the opportunity that we need to kind of get the formation right, the weapons that we have in the team in the right positions and then give them confidence by maybe uh, getting some results and scoring some goals in the vital games. Here's another thing, Rich, though, as well. And I know you compete in an individual sport, so it's difficult for you to make this comparison. But I think at this elite level of sport, where the margins are so small, leadership is a massive thing. Yeah. And this month, we've had Harry Kane out, our talisman. Hugo Lloris has been out for the last four months and is now finally back. You've got Jan Vertonghen not playing most weeks. Toby Alderweireld is really the kind of only experienced leader on the pitch. Now, I think Deli Ali and, and Sonny mm. kind of have those, you know, senior player leadership roles as well. But I, don't, I think you, you can't underestimate how important it is to have Hugo back because to have a leader on the pitch 
a man who's lifted the biggest prize in the sport, I think will make a massive difference going forward in the absence of Harry Kane mm. and with those other senior players. I know when, I know when Pochettino choice. was in charge, I know he, he, he talked a lot about accountability as players and yeah. um, I, I know that within my sport and before I was actually a runner, I played I played a winter sport as well and we went to the Paralympics in 2006 and we were terrible because of that really. We didn't, we had players that, that, that weren't accountable for the performances and leadership was very weak and leadership is is something that it's not all about shouting at the players. It's not all about, you don't need to have somebody like a, a, a Sol Campbell in the team. Um, sometimes you need somebody like a, a Ledley King that's like, it shows the team the direction. And I think sometimes that, that, that save that, that uh, Loris makes or, or, or Kane strike, that shows the team that obviously the right way to go. And, um, Leadership's an interesting thing because um, it's about engaging with all the different the personalities in the team and getting the best out of all the personalities. And um, we have obviously plenty of those in the team, uh, positive and negative, and hopefully some of the negative ones are leaving. Um, and it's about galvanising that team for the greater good and getting the players to play for the team, not just for themselves. Well, I think you've just, I think both of you guys and Rick obviously as well, you've just, you've just hit. Hit saying that I'm really passionate about, and that is these kind of you know the you know the plan moving forward. Um, and you know I don't want to bore all of our listeners with oh here he goes again with another plan. But again, if you don't know where you're going, how the hell are you going to get there? And for me, it, you know it starts with getting the contract rebels out. You know we affectionately called them contract rebels a few few months ago, and they're still in the club. And this is part of the issue. You know whether or not it's toxic, whether or not it's you know it's just not as it's mild. Regardless, you've got the likes of Ericsson. That, look, Jose was really biting his tongue, even in his press conference yesterday, when yeah. he when he came out yeah. and said some 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 things that were quite telling. You got Ericsson, Aurea, Rose, Wanyama, um, and uh, I'll talk about Vatorin in a minute. All of which have expressed a, a desire at some stage or another over the last kind of twelve months to leave the football. I mean, you had Aurier sitting there in the summer going, "There's no competition for me." Pfft, you know, shrug your shoulders, whatever. I know I'm going to get in the side. That's not the right attitude to have. And, and certainly, lack of leadership by playing him every week, in my opinion. You've got Ericsson, who, you know, come on. Let's not talk about that Ericsson fast. But that's I think by, by, the, by the time a lot of people will be listening to this, I think Ericsson will have gone. He's had Fine. His best but, you know, you've got, fair, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. You've got, you got Danny Rose that is time and time again, going back as far as Carl Walker, leaving for Man City. Rose has been coming out and saying certain things and so on and so forth. And his performances have dropped off a cliff. You know, and it's, and it's our inability. You talked about leadership. Our inability as a club, as a team, not a school, not a football team, but as a as a as a complete team, as a business team, or whatever you want to say, it's our inability to be leaders to say, right, don't play. Like, how are we still playing, Christian Eriksen? How is he on the bus going to Southampton? He is having, he's talking to other clubs. It's utterly ridiculous. And and, and by the way, I love Vertonghen, right? He's been an amazing servant for the club, and I kind of agree with you uh, to, to a certain degree, Jamie, when you said maybe he's coming to the end or whatever. But you know, uh, I think maybe future coach for Tottenham, so on and so forth. But how yeah, how, how is he, regardless of his leadership qualities, right? How was he getting the captain's armband the other day? I just it's, it's absolutely baffling. The club won't give him a new contract, or haven't offered him a new contract. I don't want him to stay, or whatever it might be. And he and he's taking the captain's armband, and then you've got Toby who has come to a club. From my understanding, the Vertonghen situation is very different to the Rose slash Ericsson one. Where I agree. I, I agree. I think Jan so just, would like to stay. Jan would like I, another one-year ruling contract. 
I think he would, but the point I'm making, and this is not this is not a player rant. This is a club. This is a leadership rant. This is about looking at the club and looking at people and saying, this is the direction we're going in. This is where we are going as a football club over the next yeah, three, four, point. five years. And and you're not part of it. So sorry, but off you go. But but you're not doing that. What we're saying to him is, oh, you know, we don't really know where we're going. And, and actually, you're quite a good player and you might have a good game. You might not. And you're quite a good leader. So I tell you what, you can play this week and here's the captain's armband. It just for me, sends out all the wrong messages. And, and for, for us as fans, where it's really frustrating, why I get passionate about it is because no one is telling us where we're going. We had a plan under the last five years. And, and it just seems like the board now have got to the point where they, their plan was, when we move into new stadium, Pochettino, make sure we're in the Champions League. Well, Pochettino blew that away because we had like two FA Cup semi-finals, we had a League Cup semi-final, we had a Champions League final. We've been qualified in the top four for the last four seasons. We also ran the, um, uh, had two title challenges during that period of time. So we're way above the plan. And actually the board have gone, well, okay, now we don't really know what to do. And, and I'm not saying that about Daniel Levy and Donna Cullen and all the board, but that's what it feels like. I just want somebody to come out and say... This is where we're going. This is what our investment uh, purpose is. Over the next five years, we're going to invest in youth. Because, Jamie, you made a really good point earlier. When you spout out some of them names and all of them are under the age of 23, that's where I get excited. I get excited, sprinkled out with some world-class talent like the Tobys and like the Canes. And all of a sudden, you've got a very, very good side moving forward. But it just doesn't feel like that's what we're doing. It just feels like that we're... Maybe it's because it's silly season with a transfer window. I don't know, Rick. You, you know well, yeah, more I about think, that think, than me. But. I think that's part of it. And I also think part of it is, and I'm not making excuse for the board because I agree with everything you've had to say. There isn't a clear direction for the club. But the only thing I would say is it's very diff- difficult to come out and state your clear five-year plan for the I club. Agree. I agree. I think it's spot on, How, how can you come out and say exactly where you want to be? I don't think you can come out and say, oh, we're going to be well, here but, in five but years. Also, I, dis- I, d- yeah, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I totally disagree. And, you know, taking on another manager's um, squad. I think Mourinho has had games thick and fast. Like, literally, we've been playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek for 12 weeks or for, you know, nine weeks straight. At what point do those do you, do you say to the press conference say, oh, by the way, this is our plan for the club for the next five years? No, because, so it, maybe, because I that's think, not... I think, I think this that's not summer, how you would do it, though, would you? You wouldn't. No, do no, it like I know, that. but I'm, I'm being facetious. But I think this summer we might sort of see that st- that long-term plan start to emerge and it's a lot of it's down to obviously which players we bring in this summer and which we clear out do it in that way and, and I think again that's the issue part of the issue because it's kind of like talking about how you would do it now you wouldn't do it you know the recruitment in the club needs to sort it out and I just and I just want to say something before you go into transfers the, the recruitment side of things we had a guy at our football club called Paul Mitchell who by all accounts didn't work out when he left from from our club we had the likes of you know, the, the signings that we brought into the club made us challenge and get to the Champions League final, challenge for the league and so on and so forth. He went to RB Leipzig and now they're top of the Bundesliga. Since then, he's now at Sheffield United and they have got the one of the best away records in the Premier League. They're sitting sixth or seventh in the Premier League uh, as a promoted team. And you look at that just ring fencing it as a recruitment part and you say, wow, that guy seems, and with his team, seems to have been getting things quite right. Since he's moved on, how 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 well have we done in, in the recruitment part? I mean, my my God, we didn't sign him on for 512 days. So, you know, our recruitment part of the plan needs to be sorted out as well. There's, there's a lot of work to do. However, saying all of that, 
We are fighting on three fronts. We are still in the mix for them three trophies. And Jose is a serial winner of, a tro- of trophies. I want to bring Richie because I think we have been given some hope in the likes of Giovanni Chelsea, for example, because I thought he had a, he had a great game against Southampton. I mean, Rich, talk to us about the Chelsea because for me, he was the, the player drove full with the ball. You know, it was all about you know, that, that song goal. It was all from him. We saw his dribble from his own half and the bit up to that goal. It probably epitomised just how much time he appears to have on the ball, even in tight situations. Such a composed player. He then had to switch to a deeper role when Jetson went off and embarked on a long jinking yeah. run, showing plenty of composure from his own half. And the fans loved him, singing his name in that second half. What did you make yeah. of Chelsea's impact in that game? And Mourinho's gone as far to say now is that we will execute that deal that was done in the summer, which was a loan. He now will be joining the club permanently. Is that a relief for you? What do you make of that? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad they've, uh, they've not sent him back. I think when you when you look about look at the uh, the show reel from from his previous club, he was he was renowned for that ball carrying, for connecting. Uh, picking up that, that that loose ball or picking up that ball deep and then driving forwards and then creating space for people further up the field and delivering that killer pass for, uh, for somebody else to to finish. Um, he's obviously got a lot of ability, um, and I think what was holding him back before was the kind of the Ericsson thing. Well, when Ericsson was on the bench with him or if he was on the pitch, he knew basically that he was he was taking that that kind of position. And now he's got that free reign. I think that's really important that Mourinho buys into that and gives him lots more opportunities to shine. And I, I, I still think he's got so much to give. Um, and you can tell he's also a very much a, a confidence player. He's he's fitting in with the team, connects with the rest of the, the boys. That he, he's well liked as an individual. And and communication isn't all about language because we've got uh, quite a lot of different nationalities in the team. It's all about a bit. Believing in the ability, showing the ability, and then supporting each other as a team. I think Rich has hit the nail on the head there, which is having the trust of the manager is such an important thing to players. And for the first few months of the season, both under Pochettino and Mourinho, the Celso wasn't sure whether he had that. He now seems to be the first name in the team sheet every week, and he's growing with it. He is a confidence player. I, he, I think this boy's the business. I really do. I think he's got so much potential. Right, I'm maybe going a bit outlandish here, making a bold statement, but I actually think he's got more to his game than Christian Eriksen. I think he's a box-to-box midfielder that we've been crying out for for years. And I think alongside Tangi and Dombele, best of him, who to me just looks like watching a young Moussa Dembele, those two together, they could be absolutely sensational. You know, we don't need a little bit of luck and we need them to gel and we need everything, you know, them to stay fit, etc., etc., etc. But honestly, I think LaCelso's performance these last few games has given me so much hope. He's so strong in the ball. He tracks back. He's making tackles. He's winning the ball back. Yesterday, that goal, he shrugged off four or five Southampton tackles before playing at De Lamella, who slid Sonny in. It's, there's so much to be excited about for LaCelso. Lee, what I do like about Mourinho's press conferences is that he is so direct. He will tell you exactly where he thinks things are going wrong or things are going right, and he will tell you straight. And that's why under Pochettino, we never really had at times. It was always there's no riddles, is there, Rick? No, there's no riddles. With Poch, as we know, towards the end, it was very cryptic. With Mourinho, it's straight talking. He says, you know, we're going to look to get this guy on a long-term deal. Could he be the future league? Can we build a team around the Chelsea? I've written down as well, you know, with the lads talking. Again, I agree. I think the Chelsea has been excellent. Absolutely uh, brilliant. Again, baffling 
maybe in the scenes you don't know how people are training and like you know rich just said about you know language barrier and all that sort of stuff and communication uh you know i think we've you know the guy's 22 years old we expect him to come and fly the flag same with and Dembele's 21 you know these are young lads really and we put all of this pressure on them um so you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes but it's still baffling to me how christian erickson's getting in the side before Lo Celso. you know and again i just want to put on record again just so people understand I absolutely love Christian Eriksen and if he signed a five-year contract and he was a Spurs player, I'd play him every week, right? Because ultimately it would be uh, yeah. him and Lacelso because he's committed to the club. But when you've got somebody who's flirting with other clubs, going out and, and, and having uh, drinks with other men or women or whatever behind your back, that ain't that ain't, I, I can't have that. You know, for me, it's a, m- a morality thing. If, you, if you're not committed to a club, then don't, don't be in the club. So it was baffling for me that Christian's still getting picked by a potch then Jose comes in and he still picks him craziness. But look, Lo Celso's there now. Christian Eriksen's gone. As James said, probably gone by the, by the pot, time his pod airs. Um, I think he can be the, and, uh, I think he can be the future. I think he is the future, to be fair. I think with Tunga and Dembele, um, which we haven't seen enough of, I think that is very, very dynamic in that midfield. I think it could be amazing. I think the, the only thing that I'll be looking at, and again, I've written loads of notes down here, lots of different teams that I've put out, this young team sprinkled with world-class talent, and I'm still struggling with a defensive uh, midfielder. You know, I still yeah, think that's that we one. haven't yeah. we haven't had that. And it, although although we need a striker, and I totally agree with all you you lads and all the listeners and whatever about a striker, we still haven't got a defensive central midfield player, and we need one no. badly. And that, it doesn't look yeah, like no, we've really been linked with anyone with in, in, in the uh, well, January transfer think- window. No, because I think you know it's been it's been said to death, but I think this this transfer window is so difficult to operate in. I honestly think this summer that's the number one priority: a, def- a mobile defense midfielder who's comfortable on the ball, i.e., not Eric Dyer. Um But <laughs> it's just such a shame, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's I mean, a real it's such shame. a shame but because I, I you think know that's something. I think that's something that can wait until the summer. I think. I, you know, I interviewed Harry Winks last week and I said, mm. do you feel like a, a bit like a sort of square peg in a round hole? Because yeah, what did he me, say? You're not, not, not a night defensive midfielder. You're someone who's much more comfortable, you know, in, in a more attacking position. And he said it's a role he's very happy to do and that he feels that he's getting, he's more and more comfortable in it as the weeks go by. So, uh, it, as, uh, and he's a different sort of holding midfielder. He's almost that sort of deep-lying quarterback that Paul Scholes was in his later days, you know what I mean? Not the same yeah. ability, obviously. But, uh, no, no, but again, I love Wings. Look, again, you're, you're just, just to interact right. with you there, I mean, I, I love Harry Wings. I think, I think yeah, again, he's one of our own. And Rick, you know I, I sing Winks's praises and stuff. But again, people judge Winks on how he plays, but he's, he, he wears number eight on the back of his shirt. There's a big clue, everybody. Do you know what I mean? He isn't a natural central mid... You know, he's no, not he's a number a six, is he? He's, he's yeah. number eight. And actually, when you put a three in midfield, you, you might you might line up with it with this for Tunga and Dumbele, Lucelso and Winks. And Winks would be the 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 guy that's the the deep line midfielder. But actually he should probably be on either side of himself. Do you get what I mean? And this has been the problem with Tottenham for a long time. When we have Victor Wanyama at full uh, at full fitness and full pace he, he was he was phenomenal. He would just sit there when Dyer was playing really well, just sit in front of that back um, that back uh, four, which ultimately ended up being a back two because you'd have your wing backs bombing or your full back bombing on, and then we'd have a three. So when we had the ball, we'd almost be playing three at the back under the Pochino is uh, under our four two three one. It worked really well, and then uh, Wanyama took that mantle on. And now Wanyama and Eric Dyer, for whatever reasons, can't play to that standard. We haven't got anybody. As far as Jose Mourinho, I go to Daniel Levy this summer and say, right, how much money are you going to give me? 
and I'd have a list like Wilfred and Didi and Golo Conte. You're not going to get Conte because Chelsea probably aren't going to sell him. But somebody like Wilfred and Didi, that's the sort of player that we should be looking for this summer. Rich, I want to discuss with you Serge Aurier in the build-up to Southampton's equaliser because he lost the ball carelessly in the build-up and Buffel slammed home the equaliser. I mean... Rich, this guy, you mentioned in the beginning of the show that there has been, to be fair to Serge, there has been a definite improvement in his performances since Jose Munoz took over. Like Marmite though, right? But, <laughs> but he's Marmite, you know, some love him, yeah. some hate him. Can he be successful under Jose Munoz? Do you think this player is an accident waiting to happen? Because, you know, to lose the ball where he did there, it's criminal, isn't it? Like Lee said earlier, I think he's uh, he's got a wicket in him and... Um... I think he needs to have a lot of direction from, from the manager, very much so when Mourinho was at Man United and he was doing the same with Luke Shaw. Um, he has far too much confidence and spends far too much time on the ball and makes those those decisions that aren't, um, aren't clear and, and, and obvious. He, he, he tries to, um, like you say, the... the the, the square pegs in the round holes kind of passes and those Hollywood kind of passes. He's he has got a challenge in him that's going to give away that that vital uh, free kick or penalty at the back. You need to have stability. You need to have strength. You need to have power, speed, control. But also the team and the fans need to have confidence that when you've got the ball, you're going to make those right decisions. Everybody can make mistakes. But it's about m- making those mistakes once and not making them all the time. Do you know what I mean? And all the other teams target him, clearly. All the, all the other teams know that he's got a, a, a bad decision, a bad tackle. Um, the, the Liverpool tackle that, that, that was uh, to the, with the penalty on Mane, you could tell. Mane was like, I'm just going to jump in in front of Aurier here because he's going to take three weeks to clear this ball and he's going to clear me instead. That was the penalty. And... Um, that those, are the, those are the things that the fans are seeing. So, obviously, the t- his teammates must be pulling the hair out in some points. Yeah, we listen, we've got loads of listener questions in. We're going to try and finish up with a few of these before we discuss Stephen Bergewine, a player being strongly linked with Tottenham on a Sunday night here. When you listen to this on Monday, who knows where that deal will be at. Serge Aurier, back to him. I'm going to come around to you, Jamie. This is from Robbie Rock at Robbie Rock 13 He says, why do we continue to persist with playing Aurier? He's a problem for us in the most goals we concede. Should he play in Tanganga at right back and setting at left back is the answer. Don't worry about the experience and this crap. He says, let the lads play to get used to it. Surely Serge Aurier can't start the rest yeah. of the season. What do you make of that one? Jaffa Tanganga probably will be the the number one choice at right back or whether it's on the right side of the defence like Lee was saying earlier. Maybe this summer you look to go and buy a Max Ahrens or something like that. Serge Aurier is not the long-term plan for Jose Mourinho. No question about it at all. But at the moment, he's kind of doing a job. Being improved under Mourinho, do I trust him still? No. Does he still have an absolute ricket in him every now and then? Absolutely. But as I said, this defending the four, attacking as a three thing, Gives him the license to bomb forward and for the left back to tuck in. Um, I, I think Ben Davis being back in the team will give that defence a lot more balance. Um, Ore is not the long term plan, like I keep saying. You know, I think um, it is going to be a younger player, but um, at the moment he's doing okay. Yes, okay, he had a shocker yesterday, giving that ball away again. So you know, the, he then provides the cross that leads to Lucas equaliser at Middlesbrough. You know, every now and then he, he pops up and does something. Um, decent and um, I also think he's actually by the way hugely popular in the dressing room I think the players absolutely love him because he's a character and he's larger than life 
I love Rich saying he's got too much confidence. I love the, the idea that a player can have too much confidence. I mean, you're absolutely spot on. I know exactly what you're trying to say. But if you if you've got the if you've got his kind of ability in the box when he's back to the back to his own goal, I think sometimes the the, the fans have got their hands over their eyes and saying, yeah. "Clear the bloody ball." I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a lot of questions here about the style of play. Let's discuss that very quickly before we bring on the talk about Stephen Bergwijn. Lee, this one is from Habib Hayitz, who says, "Why do we play long balls when we don't have the personnel to do it successfully?" And also, I'm going to throw another one into that. Thomas at Ritz OTHFC says, "How do you feel about our players attempting awful one-touch football?" Well, I think I think them two questions are kind of the complete reverse of each other, aren't they? You know, one of the reasons why we play long balls is because we ain't got the confidence to do one two-touch football, and then when we do do one two-touch football, we, we should have been cleaning the long balls, right? Because we can't do it. So, That's it. you know, I think I think that again comes back down to when you look at the technical players that, that could or should be in that in that kind of front front five, front six: Son, Lucas, Deli Ali, uh, Lamella, Chink, uh, and Dumbele. Winks, Lacelso have their own opinions on certain people, but you know, Winks for all of the um, uh, grief that you might get about sideways backwards, he's actually the uh, one of the guys that actually wants to play forwards. I, I, I don't have a problem with him. I think he wants to get the ball and you know and, and turn and, and, and go forwards, but the position that he has to play doesn't allow him to do that as much because actually he can't get forward as as naturally his game wants him to. So you know, maybe he's a bit stuck in the mud type thing. I think that you know the reason why we're going longer is because actually. T- Kobe has a fantastic long pass. It's not a hump or a long ball. He has a fantastic long pass. And, and I think, again, one of the moves against uh, Southampton yesterday was absolute peach of a ball, uh, lo- um, a long pass from, I think it was Toby, to Son. And, and it was fantastic ball. And, you know, we have played, don't be deluded, listeners, right? We have played them sorts of balls all the way through Potosino's tenure. So it's not about Jose coming in and going, oh, you're doing long balls. It's not about that. But like I said, right at the beginning of the pod, Jose's putting out fires. So so at the end of the day, a fire springs up, he's going over there, he's putting it out, he he runs over there, he's putting it out. And, you know, for him, he's, he's, he's looking at this, he's going, guys, you have let in a goal every single away game since 1st of January 2019. So I don't care what any of you say, I'm going to try and shore that up a bit. And we've all said on this pod tonight that actually we can see green shoots or or whatever it might be. We can see us getting a bit better in defence and and so on and so forth. But think about his defence as well. He still hasn't had a solid back four even since he's come to the club because he's used different combinations. So he's almost playing pre-season whilst we're in a game, just uh, whilst we're in a competitive game. So, it's painful watching us right now um, and you know it is sometimes it can be boring but but at the end of the day this is the start of the new era and that's what I said about the plan earlier I just want I just want to know what that new era looks like so that then we can put yeah. this to bed and we can say look do you know what we're playing like this because there's ends to an end a, a great side has more than one way of playing this Liverpool team is great because they've got various different ways of playing and they sometimes get criticism for being a long ball team I don't care if you've got players with of the ability of Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson to play those long passes for a devastating front three to latch onto and score goals, then why not make the most of it? I didn't see people, anybody complaining the Manchester United sides of the 90s when Paul Scholes and David Beckham were putting balls in the sixpence. If you've got that ability, make the most of it. But Liverpool can also play one-touch football through the middle. And that's what Spurs need to be. They've got the technicians that they can play through the middle with Lo Celso and Dombele, etc., etc. At least spot on. Toby Alderweireld's long 
diagonal balls have been a weapon for us for the last five years. It's not a recent thing. So if you have 50 different strengths, you're that much more difficult to stop. Now, if you had noticed on Sunday on social media, there's been real strong links to Tottenham Hotspur signing PSV winger Stephen Bergwijn. And we're going to take a quick look at potentially what the player would have in store should he be joining Tottenham Hotspur this January transfer window. Obviously, he's young, quick. Um, he's, he's got uh, a great touch. Um, he's obviously forward thinking. Obviously, he's in that position. He's... He scored relatively uh, consistently. Um, one of my concerns would be the, the way that he's potentially leaving the club and hopefully his attitude isn't just to enhance his future with obviously learning from a coach such as Jose Mourinho. Um, it's obviously exciting. Um, if you were asking me um, what what I'd want in the transfer window, may, maybe I'd want somebody that'd have more of an impact. But if they're looking for the future, obviously, as, as this 22-year-old, would be for that and um, when Kane comes back to then be an understudy for Kane in the future. Jay on him this season, 29 appearances, 6 goals, 13 assists. I think Hakim Ziyech has provided more assists in the Edward Davies since the start of the 2017-18 season than Bergen. Yeah. I mean, he's a player that, let's be honest about it, he's talented, he's a versatile young winger. I'm understood they've tracked him for quite a number of years and when a player becomes available like this, it's surely an investment for the future, isn't it? That's the way I see it. It's classic Daniel Levy, window of opportunity. A player comes available, why not get hold of him? He's 22 years old. He is one for the future. He's an out-and-out winger. He's not the player we need, in inverted commas. He's not the striker that we need at the moment. And a lot of people might be getting their knickers in a twist about that. But, you know, he's a young player with lots of potential. I can't comment on him. Yeah, I've done some YouTube videos and whatever since since he was linked uh, earlier this evening. But, I mean, I don't know if, if it seemed like a good buy. Who knows? Uh, you know, Jensen, is, is he a good buy? You know, should we, you've got Jensen Fernandez. Should we have gone for the other Fernandez? I mean, we were, we were so linked with the other Fernandez. But it was virtually a done deal by all accounts. Maybe, Jamie, you'll be able to tell, tell us more in the summer. And then all of a sudden, he's just so strongly linked with Manchester United. Was it was we waiting for Christian Eriksen to get out before we can get somebody else in? You've then got homegrown players and how many can, we can register for the Champions League and you know for bringing in more foreign players is that going to is that going to have an impact on them and that's what I keep going back it just seems a bit of I'm not saying I'm not saying this guy Bergwijn is going to be a panic buyer because he's maybe one for the future but it just seemed a bit panic it's like everything about Tottenham is the fans they're panicking the board seem to be panicking the players on the pitch seem to be panicking they're not confident they're not composed and again I'm not having a go I'm I'm optimistic as well I can see some really good stuff starting to happen in terms of the you know the youngsters coming through but it just seems a bit panicky do you know what I mean Rick it just feels a little bit like you know, oh let's get somebody in you know we need to get in the people that we've talked about I mean it, it, maybe I'm completely wrong I was just about to say you know if I can see it then surely everyone else can but you know maybe I, I can see something that you know the, 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 the board and the playing staff and whatever don't need but they need cohesion Need a team F, a team unit they need they need a central defensive midfielder they need a striker and we're going to buy a winger I mean What's that all about? That's Tottenham. I mean, that's Tottenham. And there will be panics if we don't get a striker <laughs> in between now and the transfer window deadline it'll day. It'll, it'll happen. happen. You've heard it from Jamie. It will happen. Guys, it will happen. It's been a crazy... Jamie, who are you going to buy it? Um, who are you going to buy it? Well, come on, come on. You, you're right in the know it. Not the Scooby, boys. but it will happen. <laughs> it'll happen at 10... <laughs> Let's predict it then before we wrap up. Okay, let's go around let's go around the table here. Lee, striker in yes or no? One word. I think we will yes. 
I'm asking Lee McQueen for one word. I'm never going to get one word out of Lee. Come on. Never one word. Yes. Yes, yes. from Lee McQueen. <laughs> JB, are we going to get a striker in? In three words, 100%. Wow, That's four God, words. that confidence. Four words, four words 100%. Jamie definitely knows that we don't at the moment. Um, and finally, <sighs> Rich, are we getting that striker in? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, that is one word. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think, is the, that pretty much sums up the Tottenham fan base at the moment. Hopefully. Isn't it? We've been, what we, 26, 27 January, we've been waiting for a striker all window and Spurs are buying an attacker. Or winger couldn't make it up, yeah. but that is Tottenham. Literally couldn't make it up. Rich, thank you ever so much for coming onto the show yes, to make mate. your debut. It's been a pleasure. Rich, you've got some exciting news going on, haven't you? You've got something coming up. Do you want to tell our listeners what you're going to be up to? Yes, so um, obviously a big year for me, 2020. Um, got Tokyo Paralympics in September. So um, I've just come back from South Africa. I was there for three weeks, warm weather training, all pushing towards hopefully retaining my Paralympic gold medal. So, yeah, just... Yeah, Incredible. Keep your, awesome, keep your eyes out, ears out. Yeah. Totally I'm awesome. Best of luck, buddy. Best of luck. Yeah, hopefully I can uh, bring it back. Richard, we can get you back on once you've won it. Yeah, last one, yeah. Cheers, guys. Fantastic. Uh, have a good year. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you, Richard. We'll definitely have you back on. Jamie, I think you said to me you're down at Aston Villa on the transfer deadline day. Will you be trying to keep an eye on Spurs at the same time? Yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on Tottenham at the same time. I mean, I'd love to say I'm going to be an Aston Villa reporting on Jack Grealish's departure to Spurs, but I think I'm going to That's too late. That's what I'm talking about right there, Jamie. I'm talking about that right there. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the um, that's the one that got away. So, Shane, I didn't accept that three million, was it three million on a bid? What happened there? What was on with that bid, eh? What was on with that? Yeah, I know. January transfer deadline day is my birthday every year, so I'm always destined to spend my birthday standing outside a training ground for 20 hours straight. Oh, my God. As to luck of the draw, but um, I'll just finish by saying that, um, well, a couple of things. Firstly, um, Christian Eriksen, as I said, when most people are listening to this, I think he'll he'll be, you know, the ink will be dry and that contract to Inter Milan. It's sad the way it's ended for him, but, you know, I hope he does go on and win the Serie A with Inter Milan this season. He's been a great servant for the club. It's just a bit unfortunate the way it's gone downhill these last six months. Um, but it does mean that Eric Lamella wins the Hunger Games. Eric Lamella is the last man Crazy. standing. Crazy, he is. Last yeah. man standing. You would never in. have believed it, would you? You don't think you would ever believed out of that list of players, <laughs> Eric Lamella at the end won it. The most expensive. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But he done it. Jay, listen, we have to get you back on at some point. Been a pleasure having you for your debut as Definitely. well. Thank you for so much. Yeah, cheers, Rick. Thanks, thanks, lads. Oh, cheers, Jamie. Thank you. And Lee, cheers. you're back on with us Thursday on Love Sport, where we're going to be previewing deadline day. It's going to be busy, Lee, isn't it? You've got that feeling it Blimey. could be very busy. That crazy train, mate, keeps on rocking, and it will be again on Thursday. So, uh, again, thanks for having me on, Rick, and uh, I'll, see you, I'll see you on Thursday. Yes. I'll listen to you on, on my drive up to Birmingham on Thursday night, lads. Oh, yes, yes. Happy birthday as well, Jamie. Happy yes, birthday, Jamie. Yes. And Rich, best of luck with the Paralympics to best come. Best of luck, Rich. Best of luck. We are yeah, going to be back, it. as we said, next... Well, next, it will be this Thursday, coming your way on Love Sport Radio, where Tottenham, we could be seeing a couple of signings. Enjoy the show. Come yeah, on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.